There's a reimagining of Hellraiser hitting streaming that's also called Hellraiser, which means that we're now going to get a second Hellraiser 2 and a second Hellraiser 3, followed by a jump ahead called The Hellraiser. Then we're going to have Hellraiser Origins, and then in about 20 years, we're going to go right back again and do Hellraiser. It's its own kind of exquisite pain, isn't it? Hello everybody and welcome to my review of Hellraiser. I know this video is uploaded a little bit late. That's because I am putting this review out right when the embargo drops, except for all the other reviews that have been out for days. I don't know how it's working, but anyway, I guess I'm a sucker. 35 years after the original Hellraiser was released, we get this reimagining from director David Bruckner and writers Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski. They are the team behind last year's The Night House, which I thought was a really, really interesting atmospheric horror film with a fantastic performance from Rebecca Hall. This version of Hellraiser really isn't a remake of the original film as much as it is, as it's crediting itself, a reimagining of the original source material, Clive Barker's novella The Hell bound heart. And having seen the original Hellraiser, I can say that this version of the movie shares very little in common with the one that came out 35 years ago, other than the basic setup and premise. If you are new to the Hellraiser universe, it centers largely around a puzzle box, which when solved, opens the door to some form of hell and allows beings called Cenobites to enter our universe. The Cenobites are here to seek different forms of sensation and inflict them on other people, usually in the form of pain, but their goal ultimately is to find this ultimate sensational enlightenment where pleasure and pain intersect. In case you haven't figured it out, by the way, the Hellraiser franchise, kind of kinky. Now, the characters in this version of Hellraiser don't really matter because the characters in every version of Hellraiser don't really matter. They're people that are really just there to spin the puzzle box into a different configuration, to open the door to the Cenobites so that we can get some more gore effects and some more set pieces. And the Cenobites are very interesting creatures. They are simultaneously menacing, grotesque, vaguely seductive. And there's been a lot of discussion about the casting of the Hell Priest in this film. The Hell Priest is better known as Pinhead, which is what everybody's been calling this character pretty much from the second movie. Pinhead is really the mouthpiece of the Cenobites, the ambassador, if you will. The role of this demon wishing to experience the limits of torturous sensation was originated many years ago by Doug Bradley, who played it for quite a while. You solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. And for this version of Hellraiser, a woman, Jamie Clayton, is taking over the role as Pinhead. What is it you pray for? Now, I have about as much interest in discussing and trying to examine the gender of a Cenobite as I do discussing and trying to examine the race of an elf, which is none. The important thing is that Jamie Clayton takes over this role ably, bringing this new version of Pinhead, the requisite seductive, grotesque nature the character requires. Pinhead, I think, is one of the more interesting movie monsters, if you want to kind of label Pinhead that way, in that he or she isn't really rooted in this sort of malice that you see with a lot of people like Freddy Krueger or even Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers, this intent to murder. The Cenobites may be demons from some form of hell, but at their heart, they're kind of seekers. They're like often summoned by humans looking to experience unknown levels of pleasure and is it really their fault if the humans didn't quite know what the terms of this deal were going to be so while i don't necessarily root for pinhead and the cenobites in these films you don't actively root against them either because they're not the traditional black hat villains this is actually a really interesting movie for me to try to break down because my enjoyment, and I think that your enjoyment of this movie, is largely going to rest on how much you have enjoyed the other Hellraiser films, and in particular, how much you enjoyed the original 1987 Hellraiser. 
The reason I bring up why Pinhead is such a different kind of movie monster is that Hellraiser is also a different kind of horror franchise. I actually didn't see it for the first time until a few years ago. I'm kind of a latecomer to the horror genre. And I found 1987's Hellraiser to be impressive on a filmmaking level, but also really weird, pretty slow, cerebral, full of humans who are much less interesting than the Cenobites, even though the humans take up most of the screen time. And overall, I found that the film was admirable, but not quite my taste in a very similar way to how I regard a lot of David Lynch's movies. So perhaps it's an endorsement for this remake that I found 2022's Hellraiser, really weird, very slow, cerebral, full of humans who are much less interesting than the Cenobites, but get much more screen time. And again, not quite my taste or my tempo. We've talked about this a lot with other reviews. That's what makes the sort of binary level of criticism so difficult because there are movies that I will give a bad review to because I think that they're poorly made. They have bad acting or a bad script, etc. But then there are movies that I have a hard time recommending, not because of really anything to do with the film itself, but because it just doesn't quite align with my personal tastes. I think the movie's adequately acted by its non-Cinnabite cast, and I really can't fault the movie on a filmmaking level. It looks good. I think it's well-directed. The special effects makeup in particular is really nauseating at times, which means that it's been exceptionally well-executed. I like the Cinnabite design in this, in that they are the familiar creatures that we've seen before, but the look of them now is a little bit more organic, a little less matrixy with the black leather, and a little bit more like these creatures, again, from what I've read as they were originally intended to be, which is just their former humans, but now they don't really resemble any kind of a person that anybody has seen before. They're gruesome, they're grotesque, they're horrifying, and I think that they're really well done. So it's really tough for me to make a call here because I think that this is a really well-executed Hellraiser movie if you like Hellraiser movies. So I'm not gonna say that I don't recommend it. I will say that it wasn't a movie that I sat back and loved, but it wasn't because it was poorly made. It's just because it was just on a different wavelength than I usually enjoy. This can be chalked up 100% to personal taste, so I will say that if you love Hellraiser movies, I think that you're probably gonna like this too because it's a lot like the 1987 original, but with some upgrades to it that I think bring it forward technologically. And I think it tells a fairly good story as well, although it's not the most outstanding element of the film. If you don't like Hellraiser movies, I don't think there's anything in this movie that's gonna turn you around. This is very much leaning into the Clive Barker of it all, the thing that made this franchise so unique to begin with. It's not making this play to be the more mainstream Hellraiser movie or to take the name Hellraiser and put it on some generic slasher movie, kind of banking off the goodwill of the original. This is very much the roots and the origins of the Hellraiser franchise. So I will say that I think your enjoyment of this movie is going to be in direct correlation to how much you like that, how much you dig that sort of Clive Barker vibe from the original. And I think your takeaway is going to be very closely linked to that as well. So those are my thoughts on Hellraiser. Again, one of those movies, I think, I don't even know which way I'm going to go because you have to do it when I post on Rotten Tomatoes, like red or green, you know, fresh or splat. If you see the splat next to it, it's not because I didn't think the movie was well done. It's just it wasn't quite my bag. But 
I think that there are going to be a lot of people who love it. I think there are going to be a lot of horror fans who are going to be really impressed by it. Are you going to be watching it this weekend? It'll be streaming on Hulu here in the United States in the domestic market. You can look elsewhere if you are outside of the U.S. to see where it's going to be available. Let me know down in the comments below and stay tuned right here to the channel. I've got more reviews, movie news, and box office coming up as always. Also, if you want to check me out on Patreon, I have a Patreon page. I do stuff like a monthly movie club where we talk about a bunch of different movies and I take your questions and we break it down and analyze it. I also do some hangouts and stuff. I'd love for you to come and be part of Patreon. You can see the link right there on the screen, patreon.com slash Dan Merle. But most importantly, thank you for watching. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.